Good Evans, it's a Bobcast. Welcome to episode 51 with me, Bob Evans, although my friends call me Kev, which is short for Kevin Mitchell. Hello, how are you all doing? As I record this here in Australia, we are in strange times indeed, having been plunged back into more lockdowns in all corners of the country. It started off in Sydney, and then it was Northern Territory and WA and Queensland, and in the space of about 48 hours, nearly half of the entire country was back in lockdown again. It's just head spinning how quickly things can change. And this is very much the way it is here in Australia. And I think it's going to continue to be for the rest of 2021 as we wait for everyone to become vaccinated. A process which is taking, you know, way longer than was originally forecast. And that's not being political or biased. It's just plain straight out fact. So with all of this going on and the massive upheaval it creates amongst the live music industry, of course, I thought it might be a good time to check back in with our dear friend of the show, Mr. Josh Pike, and compare notes on where each other is at. I'm in the middle of a tour at the moment, promoting Tomorrowland, which is the album I released in April. Uh, and Josh, too, has started putting more music out and announcing tour dates. So there's going to be a lot for us to catch up on since we last spoke in March. Um, quick plugs regarding my ever-evolving tour. Oh, and huge thanks uh, to everyone in New South Wales and Castlemaine and Belgrave and Victoria for coming out to a show over the last couple of weeks before everything went to shit. Uh, it was so great to be able to string a few shows together for the first time since 2019. Anyway, uh, lots of shows still to come. You can find all the dates that I'm doing on my Facebook or at bobevans.com.au, but um, just quickly, here they are. Uh, on July 15th, I'm going to be at the Kingscliff Beach Hotel. July 16th, I'm at Black Bear Lodge. Now, the ticket sales for that have been put on hold. Um, so uh, just while we wait to see what capacities are going to be like when uh, Brisbane comes out of their lockdown. So you probably can't buy a ticket for that right now, but you might be able to in a week. So please check back. Uh, July 17th, I'm at Villa Noosa. August the 12th, the River, Margaret River, WA. August 13th, the Rosemount Hotel in Perth. Um, September the 4th, I'm at the Northcote Social Club uh, in Victoria. September 23rd and 24th, I'm playing at the Grace Emily in Adelaide. Now, both those shows are sold out, but they're reduced capacities, and I'm really hopeful that by September, we might be able to put more tickets uh, on sale because there's still, you know, ever... Ever the optimist I am. So, um, yeah, just uh, keep uh, checking back on that one if you're in Adelaide and you want to come to a show in September. We might be able to uh, sell more tickets later on. Uh, also, too, because so many people are back in lockdown again all over Australia, I'm going to be doing a special Good Evans. It's a lockdown live stream on my Facebook page on Tuesday, July 6th at 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. I'll play songs. I'll answer your questions and just generally entertain you for an hour from my garage, garage, uh, garage. Please bring your own drinks and nibbles to that one, though. Um, I will be doing the same. All right, on to the show. If you would like to rate and review this podcast, please do. It really helps the podcast be somewhat relevant and somewhat successful. Uh, this is a podcast for adults and strong language and explicit themes often come up in the conversation, sometimes quite unexpectedly. Hello, patients from the greats, episode 40. So just be aware of that. Um, if you would like to get in contact, you can write to me. GoodEvansBobcast at gmail.com is the email address. All right, on to the show. Here's my latest little catch-up with my friend Josh Pike on episode 51, another COVID special of Good Evans. It's a Bobcast. <laughs> 
Joshua Pike, welcome back to the Bobcast. How you going, man? Oh, it's always a pleasure. This is honestly like <laughs> sort of the highlight of, of my life well, that, on this podcast. That's very, very sweet of you to say, although it does somewhat concern me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's. Uh, I, I thought to start off we could, um, let's just compare. Well, actually, can we, to start off, yeah. I've got a bone to pick with you. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, all right. What have I done? Now, a few weeks ago, yep. you were playing in Marrickville at Camelot's, which, as you well know, is like five minutes from my house. Yep. And you didn't call me and say, hey, hey bro, I'm in town. Hey, 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 dude, come <laughs> hang out at the show. Well, and actually, our mutual friend, Craig Hawker, texted me. He was like, you're coming down to Kev's show tonight. I was like, oh, I didn't even know it was on. And then I could have gone. And then I just didn't because I was so hurt. No, that's not true. <laughs> but, well, I think, yeah, um, what, the, what the fuck, man? Well, what the fuck? look, you know, what I will say about that is that um, <laughs> I never, ever contact anybody when I go into any town and say, hey, I'm playing, come to my show. I just, you know, uh, been doing this for a long time. Can't be fucked. It's like, you know, making people feel like they have to come, you know, because then I just feel like if it's if somebody calls me and say, hey, I see you playing such and such, um, love to come, can you put my name on the door? Then I also say, no, no, I, I'll. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I just, you know, I feel like I don't want to, I don't want to make people feel like they've, you know, in, or, in order to see me. I would rather, if, if I had a day off in Sydney, that would be totally different. And I'd be like, hey, I've got a day off in Sydney. Do you want to catch up for a drink or a cup of mm. coffee or some or a lunch or, you know, just have oh, a little date? Okay. But, you know, you know what it's like going at shows and stuff? I do. You don't I get it. It's not it. like we'd get to hang out or have a chat or anything because, it's, you know, just you just it's just so hard to do at gigs. Yeah, no, I just figured, I guess, you know, you would have maybe invited me up, play a song together. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. No, it's cool. Well, look, now, cool. look, now that you've expressed that, um, and I know every time I know yeah, for next, every time it's, well that's not true um, but um, but yeah well look you know having said that I mean we'll talk about uh, tour dates um, later on but I do know that um, you are going to be playing a little show in a, at a little place in Geelong which isn't that far away from where I live so would you like to come Kev? no um, <laughs> <laughs> no of course I would like yeah. to well you know I, look well, let's talk about that let's we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk that, about that off air but how, how was the gig how, like you've been able to play shows I know that uh, you know a lot of them have been postponed as everybody's are but how was it playing a show it was it was good it was good it was it's been a real process though I mean um, I guess sort of to take to go back to the start right I mean I was here in my in my at my home here in Ocean Grove, um, and this is going back a few weeks now, and um, um, and I was packed. My bags were packed, right? I was days away from um, from flying to Brisbane to start my tour up in northern New South Wales and Queensland when the um, Victorian restrictions came into place a few weeks back, which mm. prohibited me from. I was about to jump in the car and do what I did earlier in the year to South Australia, just like drive over the border. I was all ready to do it, but then the rules came in that um, if you were coming from Victoria and crossing the border, you still had to do two weeks uh, yeah. lockdown in New South Wales anyway. So, And Queensland, after that, shut their borders completely to Victorians. So 
it became clear that there was absolutely nothing that I could do to save those shows. So, so that first week of shows, which was supposed to be yeah, uh, Brisbane and Kingscliff and Noosa, um, well, the first week of shows got got postponed. Then, um, then week two rolled around, and that was supposed to be my South Australia and WA shows. Victoria still restrictions, borders. You know, South Australia, WA still not letting Victorians in. So those shows then had to be postponed. And so week three was ended up being my first week. So that was in New mm. South Wales. They were letting us in. Um, and so I got over there and played. The first show was in Bulleye, um, which was actually a really kind of nice um, kind of easing into, into the shows. It was a really small show. Was and it I, the Heritage? At the Heritage, Heritage Hotel. Hotel. Yeah. yeah. It's a great I love playing that place. It's cool. Yeah, it is cool. And um and yeah, I was like pretty nervous. And even the next night I was playing at Lazotte's up in Newcastle, which is another brilliant venue. Um but I was still really nervous. Um mm. it was the, it's the first time in two years that I've played, you know, two shows in a row. Um <laughs> wow. I know, right? It's nuts. Um Although that's not true, Jebediah played a, a two shows in a row a, a couple of months back. But um, but still, this is different. And and yeah, like uh, it it took me. I don't know. Maybe I was just in my own head a little bit too much. But it really took me a while to kind of just relax into it. And even when mm. I got to Camelot Lounge, so I did two shows: an, an early show and an evening show. Mm. Um, and so you know that in itself, it's kind of like we. You know, you've you've done that before. It's um, yeah, many times. Yeah, it's like it's kind of a lot to kind of get your head around when you're not used to doing it, um, and and yeah, like I and as it went along, I was kind of like going, oh, like, just is this any good? Uh, you know, and <laughs> uh, like, I, you know, like I, it wasn't like I, I don't know, maybe I maybe over the last kind of couple of years i mean it's been eight we've been in this for 18 months now right mm. um and maybe over that time maybe my confidence had been eroded a little bit or um or maybe it was just a matter of just you know it's been a long time since i'd been riding the bike and i was a bit wobbly um i think it's i i sort of i had a similar thing when i did when i was able to do this this pretty brief tour last october november where i was like Oh, is this is this what I do? Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. And then you get it. You start doing it. You're like, what? What am I doing? Is this a thing that people do and come and watch me do? I'm just a guy like that's at home usually fixing the washing machine and taking my kids to school, and then you're up on stage cracking jokes and singing. And I'm like, it took me. It did take me like I reckon three or four shows to mm. go like, oh no, this is this is what I do and I'm good at it and I absolutely love it. Um, and then after that, yeah, but I, I know what you mean. It's like, it's a, it's a, cause it is a weird thing to be up on a stage playing in front of people anyway. That's objectively a strange thing to do. Well, um, yeah, look, I'm glad you said that because yeah, that's, that's absolutely how it felt. And, um, and yeah, maybe, you know, because for so many years we've just been doing this, you know, relatively nonstop, although, you know, you had took a bit of a break before COVID started, but, um, you know, you do it for such a long time and you do just, you you know it's your life you and and, mm. and it's it's very normal and that in itself can also become a problem too when it just becomes um you know that that you can kind of start to get a bit kind of worn out from that and mm. um but yeah I, I guess i was i found myself kind of 
like at the end of the night i'd be back at my hotel and um back at my you know two-star flea-ridden uh, uh you know <laughs> motel and um and i'd just be like oh I, I, it's kind of like I forgot what the feeling was. <laughs> forgot what the feeling was that I was chasing. I was kind of like, yeah, oh, is yeah. this, is this the, is, is am I not, am I, uh, uh, yeah, have I just forgotten what that feeling is? Am I not, have I forgotten how to get it? Um, yeah, or have you not, have you not reached it? You know, yeah, or, I, or maybe know, I'm, I, I and like you it's... said, maybe I'm questioning, is this, do I even, is this even what I should be doing now? Like, am I, is this a thing? Is this what <laughs> I do? Is this what I want to do with my life? And like, yeah, like, but, but yeah, just to quickly wrap that up, like, I, I did get to that point eventually, like you did. Um, and it took me, yeah, quite a few, took me that good full week of New South Wales and then sort of doing a couple of regional shows in Victoria before everything stopped. Um, where I, I finally had that feeling, that feeling mm. where so you get back to the motel and you collapse, you're exhausted, but you've, it's just that real happiness exhaustion. It's like you've kind of, you've given everything and, yeah. and you go, oh, that really fucking worked. People had a good time. It's- I'm good at it's this. proper job satisfaction. You know, That's it's right. like it's yeah. like you're building something. Like all day, you're just going to your your the, the whole mission is to get to this thing and do this thing, and then you do the thing, and you know you do it well, hopefully, and then you've you've done it. It's like building a, a house or something like that, except that when you're building this house, there are people cheering for you, <laughs> and you know, like I was thinking, I was trying to explain this to my kids because you know I was had to postpone all these shows and I was really bummed and they're like yeah but this means you get to spend more time at home and I was like 100% and I love spending time at home I love spending time with you guys and everything but I was like can you imagine it's like there's only been one thing that you're good at in your whole life and <laughs> when you do it it you also happen to get paid you also happen to have people giving you instant gratifying feedback because you know like we've been doing this long enough that the people that come to shows want to be there they're not just stumbling upon a random show you know that they're not really yeah. up for yeah. So you know, you know, people want to be there with me. With, um, with me, Josh, that's very much the case <laughs> <laughs> these days. These days, the people that are there are one hundred percent absolutely there because they mean to be there. We've got long gone are the days where uh, you know. Um, well, same. same <laughs> yeah. There's no. There's no walk ups. What, what, remember walk ups? I don't really get walk ups. I'm not. I remember my manager said to me once, "You're not really a walk ups guy," and I was like, "Yeah, fair enough. That's yeah. It's good. It's a good thing." Um, but yeah, so there's very few jobs that you can get that level of satisfaction. When it's working, it is the greatest thing ever, you know. Um, but yeah, that self-doubt when you haven't been doing it for a while is like, it, you know, it can be quite <laughs> quite undermining to your confidence. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like I said, you'd probably, you know, just probably thinking too much. I, I was trying to keep reminding myself, it's like, just, you know, it's fun. Just have fun. That's all you got to do mm. is just have fun. Exactly. Um, and just kind of repeating that as a, as a mantra just to try and kind of, you know, fight the, those kind of feelings of insecurity and stuff. And um, mm. um, But, yeah, sort of got, got there in the end. But, but I suppose it was kind of a bit of a realisation for me too of just like, you know, like the impact that the last 18 months have had. Like it's, it's mm. not... It's not just like getting... I mean, with the Jebediah shows, it felt a little bit easier to kind of just to slip back into it. Um, maybe because being in a band and having lots of people around you, maybe it's a different environment. You know, when I did these shows, I was completely by myself. I took nobody. Mm. Um, yeah, so right. at Even, you know, at, at the smaller shows, like at the Heritage um, and at the two 
the Castleman and, and Suki Lounge shows I did, I was like selling my merch and everything. Um, oh wow! So like it's it's, it's like it's a pretty decent day's work you know mm. um so i i refer to selling merch after the show as like the uh the third encore um <laughs> yeah, <probably>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you're spending a good like at least half an hour like you're like i'm literally i got my square reader out i'm like taking <laughs> i'm like running a little shop you know it's great um, well i got a square reader for that small fry rock show that i did um here in sydney after you know you'd done it and i you know, I got hit up for it, and I it was great. But yeah, we bought a square reader so that we could I could sell my books, and my wife was doing merch. My kid, my my niece was helping out and stuff like this. It was great. It's great having a square reader. It makes it really makes you feel like a like a I don't know like a little uh, little entrepreneur like market store uh, dude. Or I, felt I loved like, it. I felt like a. I was like, I felt like a hustler. It's like hustling. Yeah, I feel like a hustler. I had a hip, <laughs> great. I like totally had a hip hop soundtrack playing in the back of my head the whole time. But, you know, like, it just makes you want to sell stuff, right? So, like, we, we literally then, <laughs> we got home. My kids were like, can we use the square reader? I was like, yeah, go for it. So, we made, we, we did some clearing out culling of old toys and stuff. And we set up a, a garage sale out in, in the park near our house and um, sold cupcakes and stuff. And we took the square reader. And so, the boys were like, they were going, cash or card, cash or card, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and they made, like, 24 bucks. That's it was great. Hey, that, that also gave me a thought, you know, well, maybe next time I come to Sydney and I'm playing at the Camelot Lounge, maybe you could sell my merch for me. Uh, I would. Yeah, that would be great. Thank you. <laughs> you get Thank to, you so much. You get to see the show for free. You get yeah, to, it's perfect. You know, like, pe- 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 the, hey, look. 30%. Pe- pe- I'll do it for 30%. People would love it. People would love it. Yeah. I'll do it for 30%. <laughs> commission. <laughs> Oh, you're not, no, not into it anymore, eh? Well, th- well, I think we could maybe discuss. I think 30% is probably <laughs> a little bit overly generous. Um, I'll do it for a pizza and a couple of beers. Okay, you're on. You're on. <laughs> Especially the Camelot Lounge will provide those. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, they do do pizza. <laughs> they do good pizza. So, yeah. so that's sort of, you know, that, that's my, you know, my sort of recap. Tell me about you because you um, oh. have announced. So what's your most recent thing? Because obviously now... Um, so many of the states and so many of the cities in Australia in the last forty-eight hours have gone into some form of lockdown. You were mm. you were on the verge of starting your tour, right? Oh, very much so. Yeah, I had um, it all lined up, and it was like most of the shows were sold out. So I was, and I was just so pumped, you know, like I was so excited to get back on the road. Um, you know, had the first couple of singles, including the Gordy single um, "Hummingbird," and I had nice. a bloody Triple J, uh, a double J live at the wireless hooked up for the Melbourne show and Gordy yeah. was going to come and join me, you know, sold out shows and yeah, just got, you know, we could see it, we could see it on the horizon. Um, it's, it's a huge impact, you know, it's like, you can't really understate it because it's, we do these campaigns. I mean, I'm saying this to the listeners, not you, cause you obviously know this, but you know, we do these campaigns where we have. Uh, a timeline of you know reverse engineering it from the show back to the the single release and you have all your social media and you know you have your strategy lined up to get the the biggest bang you know for for your buck or whatever for a single release and touring is a massive part of that you know spreading the awareness of a song and so when that disappears it kind of throws the whole strategy out the window and you just you know you can pivot you can try and do all different things but at the end of the day 
you know that what you're doing is not going to have the impact that it would otherwise have. And that's very hard to take when you work so hard for for these things. I mean, it's even, even today, like, um, you know, we're recording this on a Thursday, July the 1st, and I released a new kids book today through Scholastic. And I had, um, you know, kids uh, events lined up in Brisbane where I was meant to be tonight. Um, and over the weekend... And I had uh, events in Adelaide and Melbourne, and like, but are these like kind of book launches, kind of books? Yeah, like book, you know, book, book, yeah, book events at, at bookstores. Yeah, um, that I tie into my touring. So, like, you know, if I'm going to be playing in Brisbane, then I'll hook up a couple of book events in town as well. Yeah. Um, and again, it's like that was part of the strategy for the release of of this book, mm. and I and I just you know it's. It's just hard when you put so much effort into something and then you just can't, it just, it won't reach the same audience and it won't have the same impact um, as it would in another time. And I was talking to another kids book author, uh, a friend of mine today, and she was saying the same thing. It's just like, she's just released a kids book. She's had huge success with her other ones. And she's just like, I can just feel the, the impact is less during COVID. So it's, it's hard because you don't want to go into hibernation. You know, it's like I don't want to not book tours j- just because they might not happen. Yeah. But it's it's emotionally exhausting. So at the moment, we're just kind of rolling everything back and back and back. And so now my sort of capital cities tour has which which is really a uh, a rescheduling of last year's tour that I had to postpone. Um now that's getting pushed further and further back so that it'll kind of roll straight into the regional tour. Um, so that was is, going to start in Tassie, right? It was going to start in Tassie a couple of three weeks ago, and then it was and it was a, sort uh, of like a bit of a domino effect from there. Once that one, exactly, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and so now it all kind of rolls back, and you know I'll feel extremely grateful if I can do them. But the other reality is, you know, like I have tried really hard over the years to um, arrange touring so that it doesn't have too negative an impact on my family life. So I'll always do like, you know three nights, four nights a week for three or four weeks and then have a month off and then do it again. And, you know, I've been so fortunate to be able to do that. But now it's like it's all been pushed back so that I'm essentially on tour from, um, you know, the end of July through to December now, you know, with, yeah. with two weeks up in between. Yeah, that's- So it's like, you know, whatever. Whatever you got to do is fine, but it's just, it's not, you know, it's not all beer and Skittles. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're sort of at a point now, you know, and I remember talking to you way back last year when this was all first happening, you know, it gets to the point like where once you've once you've once you've announced a tour and once you've done all the work and you've put all the dates on and people started buying tickets to them um and then the shows can't happen, you're kind of in it then, aren't you? Like you then you you, mm. you like you kind of you know, you you have to just try and do whatever you can to make those shows happen. Even if I mean, the, my all my shows were supposed to happen in the month of June. The whole tour, every weekend of June, tour done. <laughs> yeah. Now, my, the last show of this tour is happening in the last weekend of September. Yeah, and that's yeah. you know, as long as everything goes to plan from here and in. But so it's like, yeah, once you've once you've set set it up and once you've started, you can't really just kind of. Well, I guess you could just kind of cancel it all, but. You don't want to lose it's, all no, the work. You don't want to, and and also it's like, uh, but the the other thing is, you know, we talk about 
fatigue with these things for both the artists but also the punters. Mm. And I have noticed, you know, so this is a you know this is a a, a real f- issue for touring artists. Um, but every time I postpone a tour, I've noticed that the retention rate of people keeping their tickets um, for the next, right. you know, for fingers crossed, the next show, it, it gets lower. So yeah. less less people are holding onto their tickets. Yeah, that's fair enough, right? Because they're going like, well, I'll just get the refund, and then if the show goes ahead, I'll just buy tickets that's, on the night, right? Yeah, totally. But and that's fine as a punter, but f- for a artist, what it means is your because you know like pre sales mitigates the risk of financial loss on touring right like you want to sell shows out before you hit the road so that you know that your tour is in profit yeah but or, or, or you know sell enough that you know your tour is in profit yeah um but if less people are holding onto their tickets or less people are buying prior to the show then it makes the risk of touring much greater for artists mm. and promoters and managers and the whole kind of ecosystem and that just makes life more stressful as well so there's a whole there's a myriad of things that you know go into making a tour work um you know let alone the sort of emotional and you know the just the the element of feeling like you're achieving what what it is that you wanted to do with your life you know which is i love playing live you know so yeah there's lots of lots of fucking annoying things about it yeah i had my first experience with that obviously with this tour of um doing the postponement and then i was kind of like okay well so how does this work you know i've never been in this situation before and um and i don't know how you do it but uh we have the same booking agent so i'm assuming that it's probably the same um in that there's a window where people can get their refunds like you have like yeah something like that a few you know five days or something window to um and so yes that was my first kind of time of like going through that and you know look i think like generally people have been great and i do think that there's for and i i'm sure it's very much the same for you with your audience you know the vast majority of people i kind of like what we're saying you know is that we don't get walk-ups people genuinely want to be at this gig so Mm. and 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 they do kind of i I noticed that with these shows that i've done you know really getting a sense that people do they do kind of care they know that Mm. support like they they know that their support like you know how what a difference it makes and yeah, it has a, it has an impact on a, on a real human. Yeah, life. and that and I've I've found you know it's been really beautiful. You know, just people have been incredibly generous. You know, at the merch desk after shows. Um, you know, there was one guy at one of the gigs who you know who was paying cash didn't didn't want to didn't want to borrow the square reader, um, <laughs> and like gave me an extra gave me fifty dollars extra in cash than what was required. Um, and stuff like that, you know. So, pe- you know, pe- I, th- I think people kind of do, yeah, they do kind of understand how difficult it is and they do want to support the artist the best way that they can. And often that's a difficult thing for people to know. You, you probably get asked this all the time as well. You know, how do I, where's the best place to buy something? How, how, yeah. how does buying something get the most money to you and all that kind of stuff? There is a real attitude around that these days. That didn't exist like 10 years ago. You know, no, like- I think I think that's right. I think there's there's definitely a more more of an awareness in the broader community that, you know, streaming doesn't really pay. Record companies are still, you know, pretty shit really. Um, you know, you don't get, you know, heaps of money from getting played on the radio and stuff like that. And really touring and merch has always been an an artist's bread and butter. And it's kind of it's, I mean, it's not kind of, it is hundred percent more so 
than ever. So yeah, I think people are well aware of that. Yeah. But I just think, you know, I, for me, it's the uncertainty um, because even, you know, I've rescheduled all these shows, but I, I just, I feel like this not this lockdown really sort of hit me harder than the last one away because I felt this one was quite unexpected. Like everything has been going great, you know, yeah. like in Australia, everything was going great. You know, like we, I was like, I'm, I'm fully vaccinated. My wife's fully vaccinated. Um, you know, I was like literally vaxxed and packed and ready to go. Vaxed, and, um, packed, and ready to go. That sounds like the, yeah. that sounds like the kind of crappy uh, tour name that I would suggest. Uh, you know, yeah, what, like we a, need a name for your tour. Okay, uh, vaxed, packed, what, and ready to go. What, what about <laughs> vaxed, packed, and ready to go? <laughs> hey, look, spring loaded. I'm glad you brought that up, Josh, because that was actually the next thing that I wanted to talk about. Because obviously, Sid- Sydney now, uh, you're in the middle of this lockdown, and um, and yeah, I want to want to get into that. So um, let's listen to a little bit of uh, one of my favorite bands, Archers of Loaf, uh, to seek into um, into hearing about this uh, new Sydney lockdown that's happening. I've been so down lately You've been so low lately Nothing seems to work out for you and me Segway. Seeg is a thing. All right, look. Hey, hit us up, Bob Evans. Uh, no, Good Evans Gmail. No, Good Evans Bobcast. <laughs> Good Evans Bobcast at gmail.com. I think you can seeg into something. I'm pretty. Are sure you talking about like S E G U E U E? Yeah. Yeah, that's Segway, man. That's not seeg. <sighs> All right. Anyway, well, you're the. <laughs> You're, I don't know. You're the author, so I'm going to have to just uh, defer I'm a kid's to, book author, though. I, mean, well, no, I don't like... <laughs> <laughs> so you're in... You're in lock, Sydney is in lockdown right now. It's when did, mm. So how many... What day are you into and how, how long do you think this is going to last? Well, it literally started on the first day of the school holidays, which is a total bugger. Yeah, yeah. Um, and at this point, it's meant to be the full holiday, so two weeks. But, you know, I keep my ear to the ground and it seems like there are people that I know within the industry that, you know, keep track of such things because of touring and everything. And they reckon it's going to be more like four weeks. So, I don't know. I mean, there's like in New South Wales, I look at the news every morning. It's like another 
50 cases or, you know, I think we're up to almost 200 live cases at the moment. I think today it was like <coughs> 26 or something like that. 26 new, new ones. New yeah. ones and maybe about half of those were community transmission. Yeah. So it's pretty full on. Um, and, yeah, my attitude towards the whole thing is very different than the first time around. I'm, I'm like more irritated by it than I was the first time I was sort of like scared but like uh you know really adhering to the rules and I am adhering to the rules but I'm doing it sort of begrudgingly this time because it's like I'm fully vaccinated I I don't live in a I haven't been to any of the hot zones Mm. I don't know I feel I just feel more irritated by it this time than I did last time but you know what are you going to do you got to do the right thing so you just you know I, do what you got to do. I, yeah, I mean, it, I think a similar thing here in Victoria when um, when we had another lockdown just recently, and um, yeah, I, I, I think it was a real it was a real jolt because I think people had really kind of started to settle into things being, you know, things being okay. I don't think anybody really saw it coming, and. Um, yeah, like you said, now that's happening in Sydney and, and and other cities as well. I reckon that's probably a bit of a kind of wake up, and it's maybe it's made me kind of think that like this, we're this the rest. It's going to be like this for the rest of the year. Oh, dude, it's going to be like this for the next three years. I reckon. Really? Like the, I, just, I, I would I have hoped that by COVID the time is... we get by the time we get sort of, uh, I've had my first shot, and I'm booked in for my second uh, on the last day of school holidays on the. Uh, mm. Whenever that is, eleventh or something. Um, uh, did you get Pfizer or Astra? Pfizer. Pfizer, right? Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. But apparently that the, um, like they're running low on stocks of Pfizer, and um, <laughs> Kristen uh, booked in to get hers, and uh, just the other day her first, and apparently they only had Astra. Couldn't give her Pfizer. I, I thought you couldn't. I thought you it was like highly ill advised to get Astra. If you were under 50 or something. Well, this is the th- there's a lot of confusion around this because there's t- a lot of mixed messaging going on around about that. So well, I, d- I don't know the answer, but I, I, yeah, I, all I know is that, like, you know, we're, we're at like five or six percent of the country has been vaccinated. So we're a long way off, even yeah. if they ramp it up massively. Um, and there's also a reticence from a lot of people to get vaccinated, unfortunately. So there's, you know, there's, I think it's going to take a long time, and even if it, even if everybody's vaccinated, the reality is, you can still get it when you're vaccinated, and you can still transmit it when you're vaccinated. Mm. So it's like it's still going to be a thing that is on our radar and has flare-ups for like, I mean, maybe forever. Like until it, the only way that it's going to disappear is if it mutates itself out of existence, because it's not like we can close our borders off to the rest of the world forever. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like the the and vaccines, it's like the flu. You know, you can have a flu vaccine every year, which I do, but you can still get the flu. It's just not as bad. Mm. So I think I think it's just going to be a thing that we'll be living with potentially forever. And you heard it here first from Doctor Doctor Josh, Josh Pike. Pike. Yes, once again, you know, just anybody out there would know we're not qualified doctors. Um, <laughs> um, so how are you dealing with uh, lockdown at the moment? Um, you know, you've been through this before. We've all been through this. Are there sort of strategies, coping mechanisms, uh, things that you uh, are doing now that you learned from last time, new things that you're doing, uh, weird things that you're doing? I, I, I'm not even in lockdown at the moment, but I started cutting my own hair again, 
And I've got to say... Love it. I cut... Great job. I kind of like just cut my fringe. This, this was like this morning. I've just done the gardening, right? I mowed the lawn and... I had a shower and I was like, I'm going to shave. I had a shave. <laughs> and then I got out of the shower and I like, I brushed my hair and I was like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to like have a little bit of a play, get the good scissors out. Christian's got the good scissors and, um, and just, you know, I just, wha- you know, I just kind of started chopping my fringe and I was, I'm pretty happy with the results. Actually, <laughs> actually it looks pretty cool. But I, I'm also, I've also kind of got a theory about when you do your, when you cut your own hair is that like when you, the first, when you do it straight off the bat, like the first day you do it, it looks yeah. it looks good. But the problem is, like, I, I think it that grows out bad. It grows it like it gets bad really quick. Over the next few days, it'll probably start to look really bad. Yeah, it's like the opposite of a of a normal haircut. Like when you go to a barber, proper hairdresser, you get your haircut. It never looks great as soon as you get it done, and then like four days later, you're like, oh, this is a good haircut. Whereas when you cut it yourself, you're like, you do it, and you're like, this looks sick, and then you've like you know you haven't blended it or you you know like so it grows back in chunks and one bit's longer than the other. Where, I used to I cut my kids hair for years and I was always like hey this is pretty good they got re- then, they've like, got really later, they've got really straight hair right super that, straight hair it's got to make it a bit easier or harder because you you just see right. you see everything you see every chop of the hair just you grab know? just grab the bowl stick it on the head yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I just now I just shave their heads. I'm just like, yeah. Get a shave. yeah. No, I don't really. <laughs> That's what my brother. Um, my brother was sh- always shaved his, his boys' heads. It was like, nah, just shave. He's like an army lieutenant or something. He's just <laughs> like, nah, you're all getting shaved heads. Don't want to fucking deal with hair or, you know, any, you know, your nits or any of that nits. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, basically, you just got a shaved head for the first like thirteen <laughs> until you're a teenager, and then you can start talking. And you can do whatever you yeah, want. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I couldn't get that across the line with my kids, but yeah, no. In terms of this, this one, this this lockdown, it's uh, I I found that because we're on school holidays, we haven't been dealing with the uh, homeschooling. Yes, okay. Well, that's good. Takes a huge load off. Yeah. Um, so it's, know, it's just like school working. holidays. You just can't go anywhere. Well, you know, you just you just can't go anywhere. But it's it's actually it's so far it's been. I mean, I got to say it's been lovely. You know, like I. I because I'm not on tour and I don't feel any huge uh, compulsion to rehearse at the moment because I don't know when I'm going to be playing mm, shows. Yeah, um, I've just been, you know, enjoying time with the kids and we go out for the exercise and everything. And so it's been fine. But this first week's been totally fine. It's just, it's a little bit boring, but that's, that's all right. And, you know, it's like this whole gratitude dance kind of thing where I'm like, like when it first happened, I was like, ah, oh, shit, this is the worst. I'm so unlucky. I got my touring, you know, mm. postponed again. And then I was kind of having to, you know, slap myself around and going, yeah, but you've got a roof over your head. You've got food on the table. Your family, you know, you've got a good relationship with your family. You know what I mean? And then it's sort of this, that that's the thing that I'm struggling with is like allowing myself to feel um, shit about the things that I should legitimately you know, I I legitimately shit at the moment, but it's yeah. like then you know how shit everything else is in some other parts of the world, and and even in some parts of Australia, and you're just like, oh, you know, just be grateful for what you have. But it's yeah, I don't know. It's a bit of a bit of a dance there. I yeah. think of trying to of feeling guilty and then allowing yourself the the chance to actually feel blue about something. You know? Yeah, I mean, I I found that um, you know, this throughout this the last eighteen months. Um, I, 
and, and maybe this is like what a lesson in life generally that things are never as bad as they they sort of seem at, at that in the, in the moment you know but um yeah but you know going right back i remember feel, thinking so that i was so unlucky you know having just recorded my record and then covid happening and everything sort of just you know stopping um mm. but you know with time and with time to reflect on it now my attitude to that totally turned around it's like oh, i actually was really lucky because i managed to make the record just before shit went down and if mm. if i hadn't have made the record then you know i who knows i might not have been able to get back into the studio till the end of last year and um yeah and so you kind of just reassess all your things everything and um and you know there was a lot of you start to see silver linings in stuff but usually it's with perspective it's very hard to do that in the moment you know when things are shit it is yeah i mean i i mean like i look back on rome and i'm so grateful that i was able to go to America and mix that record and they go to Singapore and shoot that clip and then yes, the world shut down. Yes, totally. But, you know, but the, but the flip side of that is if the world hadn't shut down, I still would have done those things and then I would have been able to tour that record properly like I'd wanted to, um, you know. And so I, it's this funny thing of like, you know, part of me is is very, you know, genuinely proud and, yeah, proud proud of myself that during this period where some some people have kind of just hibernated i guess um you know i feel proud that i've been really productive you know and th- during this during you know the covid years whatever they end up being 2019 you know 2020 to what will probably be 22 23 or something yeah. um you know i will have done two two albums and and like four kids books you know mm. um which is highly productive let alone a, a lot of other stuff um behind the scenes you know music for tv and stuff like that um and so i feel really proud of that but the reality is none of these projects are hitting in the way that are, that they would in a non-covid time mm. and so it's it's you know when you put like i was saying earlier when you put your heart and soul into these things you do want them to have the best start in life in their in their creative kind of life that they can have and they're just not they're not getting it. And in some ways, it's like, yeah, well, everybody's in the same boat. So it's like we're all kind of have this even playing field in a way. But um, it's it's always going to be disappointing. It's just like, you know, it's just like anything that you really care about not getting, not 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 being able to kind of fulfill the potential that you felt mm, it had yeah. if you were able to execute the plan that you had for it in the first place. And it's just, yeah. it's just frustrating, you know, because it's not like I'm ever going to be able to release Rome again you know I love that album I love this new album these new songs that I've got it's a new record so it's a new record finished yeah it's 100% finished so I went to I I think we I can't remember if we spoke about this since but uh, I went to Byron did I tell you about Byron and and I went up there I don't think so last last time we spoke was March oh so maybe I was just about to go so I went up to Byron for two weeks uh, and mixed the record up there, um, which was just a beautiful time. I took the family up and we stayed in this nice. awesome house. Um, so yeah, the album's 100 percent done. What it's, studio? It's what, what studio do you work at? Yeah, uh, it's a place called Music Farm. So it's, okay, I've heard um, of it. It's yeah, it's literally a, a, a like a big property with you know farm animals it's and stuff. It's literally like that. a farm where you can make it's a farm where you can where make you music. Farm music. <laughs> yeah, where you farm music. You grow. You plant the seeds yes. of creativity. <laughs> And grow music, but it was just 
awesome, right? So, you know, I'm extremely blessed that I've been able to do those things, um, which makes it, you know, me feel even guiltier when I do complain about these things. But yeah, so the album's finished and it's, um, we're doing, we had to change the plan several times because of all this, all this stuff. But um, at this point, the plan is to release, uh, you know, singles or focus tracks every sort of eight weeks or so and then have the album out in March, which in theory is going to coincide with a big national full band tour because I haven't done a full band tour mm. for, for years. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as we were saying before, let's best laid plans. We, I've got a great plan, great strategy lined up. Um, whether or not it'll eventuate, it's... It's uh, hard to say. Uh, imagine, <laughs> you know, you just- uh, imagine what it must be because you know this tour, first one I've done in two years, completely solo. Like I said, imagine what it's like going through this shit with a fucking five-piece band and like I know tour managers and merch people and like you like on a big scale. Oh my god, it would be a logistical nightmare. Oh, actually, you know, yeah. I I have experienced some of this. Okay, here's a story. So like spring-loaded. Um, no, no. So with this Bob tour, right? So um, on this tour, there were two full band shows um, as part of this tour. One of them was this festival out in Forbes, which we got to do um, while in New South Wales, which was great. Um, and the other full band show was my Melbourne show at Northcote. And as you mentioned, few Double J were all set to um, to record that one as well. Um, so really excited about playing these band shows and being able to, you know bring this album to life um and then when oh then i get a call so ashley naylor who is my uh guitar guitarist um in my band he also plays for paul kelly um yes and was in even right the of course yes that's how we met he was in you know in the 90s uh, uh even obviously still going i think they actually made a record just recently um uh but he also plays in paul kelly's band he does the rock with band he plays for lots of different people anyway um, he, you know, sends me a message and says, look, you know, um, doing this Paul Kelly tour, which starts in July. So not, uh, so after my tour was scheduled to finish, so it wasn't going to be a problem until, uh, Victoria went into lockdown and then Paul decided that what he was going to do was, um, in order for them to start their tour in Queensland at the start of July, all the Victorian based band members crew, um, he was going to put them send them all to New South Wales to spend two weeks in quarantine so that they could then start their tour in Queensland oh. at the start of July. He was like, so I'm really sorry, dude. I'm not going to be able to play these band shows, oh, which of course God. is really disappointing, but, you know, understandable. It's like Paul's, you know, his main gig and that's just the way that it is. So, um, but now that's all gone to shit as well because they're all <laughs> up in Queensland now having done their two weeks quarantine and they can't play either. So, oh my god! It, it, and it's just, you know, obviously that story says a lot to me. One of the main things being the lengths that people are going to just to get a fucking gig over the line. Yeah, I mean, that's like, right. Yeah, it's behind extreme. the scenes, it's like a, it's a, it's a, it's like a, a duck. You know, like it looks, it looks fairly calm on the surface, and then underneath, yeah. the legs. <laughs> yes. But but you know, like the, the other thing is like there's no insurance that's like. Paul Kelly is probably not going to get compensated for the two weeks that he put his band up for, you know, he he, he won't get paid back no. for that. Well, now, it was a, wa- a complete fucking waste of money. Well, you know? I guess, like, that's- but, I, but I, guess, well, I guess in those situations you're going, okay, well, you know, I'm going to take a hit. So what hit am I, 
Which which one which hit am I going to choose? What are my options? Yeah, what's the what's the smartest hit what's to the, take? What's the best hit to take? And he, and you make that decision, and and then you just kind of deal with um, the consequences of that. Knowing, <clears throat> I mean, he would have known that what <clears throat> worst case scenario. Um, yeah, what it was, and um, but yeah, you know, so <clears throat> that's a excuse me, that's a, a yeah, just a a real sort of example of the um, yeah, just the the chaotic. Oh, yeah, the chaos that people are kind of trying to uh, work uh, within and around. Yeah, yeah. It is full on. It's, uh, yeah, I feel exhausted by it this time. Like, I, I, we were talking about it, you know, over the course of this last 18 months. And, you know, when it all first started happening, I was just throwing ideas at the wall, trying to get things off the ground. And I'm super glad that I did that because a lot of those things did come to fruition like you know a lot of these kids books that you know i pitched around that time are, are coming out you know towards the end of this year or next year um and of course you know writing the album and and, and pushing through the next album I'm, I'm glad that i did that but my energy levels this time in this in this kind of new flare-up um it's i just don't have the energy to be like I, i've kind of like tapped myself out in terms of throwing ideas at the wall and seeing what sticks because really I, I did all of that and now the only big idea that I had was to go out and tour you know mm. like that's that was the the sort of culmination of all these things was to get out there and uh, you know shop the wares that I'd created during the, the first lockdown period you know uh, and yeah so I feel I feel way more exhausted by the whole thing this time you know and you know i that's legitimate as well. It's it's. I think everybody's feeling like that. Yeah. How's uh how's how's your noggin? How's your mental health? It's 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 like it's not bad. It's like I think, in some ways, it makes it easier. Uh, when you're feeling shit or anxious, um, you know, it makes it easier when you analyze what you're feeling anxious about or or you know you know, just kind of lethargic or depressed about it. And you're like, actually, all of these things are completely legitimate to feel crap about, you know? And that that puts it into perspective. And then you're like, so, you know, like, for instance, I was like, my wife and I were talking about this and we were saying like, oh, we feel really blue at the moment. And then we're like, yeah, well, you know, we have two kids under 11 who are beautiful kids, but kids come with their challenges. Uh, we both have work, you know, work issues, you know, due to COVID, um, you know, there's my mom, I think I've mentioned, uh, you know, has yeah. severe Alzheimer's. That's yeah. a, a devastating, you know, family thing to be going through emotionally, um, you know, and and we're in lockdown. I can't tour. And that's all legitimately, like all, all of that is enough of a reason to feel, you know, feel pretty low at certain points and then the background of all that is that there is legitimately a you know a fucking pandemic and we you know we we have the threat of of this going on for a long time so it's like when you when i put it into those kind of that framework i actually feel not good but i feel better knowing that any concerns that i have are actually completely rational concerns yeah whereas in, in the past it's like i couldn't I couldn't understand or rationalize the anxiety that I was feeling about certain things and that was that was the issue whereas mm. so I actually feel pretty pretty good in that in that sense. Yeah. Um which is which is good. It's all about perspective, you know. It's all about kind of shifting your perspective and 
and trying to find perspective, I guess. Yeah, totally, absolutely. Um, all right, let's. Um, <clears throat> we, we're gonna, we're gonna. Uh, I'm gonna put my hand into the Twitter mailbag tonight. Um, so uh, to get us there, let's listen to a bit of drama rama, and then we'll answer some questions from people on Twitter. Here we go. So, thank you to everybody who has tweeted questions. Um, I, I checked, uh, <laughs> hadn't checked the, uh, <laughs> I'll be honest, I haven't checked the Bob Evans Gmail account for a little while, and uh, wasn't much going on. I've got to say, there wasn't much going on. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, that's, that's fine, you know, look, because the only time that I, the only time that anybody's questions ever get, uh, or that any correspondence ever gets any attention is when I do these ones with you. And in the regular, oh. in the regular Bobcasts, we don't do that. So, and we haven't spoken. Oh right, I thought it was because you were saying that I was the most popular guest that you have. Well, on the show. you know, it probably might be it too. But um, that's. <laughs> but yeah, we haven't spoken since March. So, so I, I put a like just an hour and a half ago. I, I put a quick call out on Twitter to get some questions. We have got lots of lots have come through. So um, Ooh. so let's get through some of those now. Um, and I know um. Uh, and yeah, then we'll we'll call it because I know you know you're being very generous with your time tonight, Josh. And I've had family stuff hey. going on tonight, so I appreciate that. Hey, hey. hey you're my boy. <laughs> hey, you're my boy. Hey, you're my boy. Oh, well, yeah. how, why don't we start with one that's directed towards you? Um, what was Ooh. what was the inspiration for late night driving? But for all these shrinking Jesus. hearts is an outstanding album. This is John. Oh, thank this you. is from John McGlue. Uh and he believes that late night driving is the standout track. So, uh, what was the inspo for that one? Mm. Um, so the inspiration for that is, I mean, it's pretty. It's kind of literal. It's like, uh, it's just the idea of. I mean, this, this, this is going to sound really dark, but uh, you know, it's not. Uh, it's just that idea that sometimes you just have these compulsions to it's uh, this sounds really dark but uh, this is not i'm not i'm okay. not and have never it's been okay. suicidal all right you're with, you're with friends here no that's all right we've you know song but you know we all have these compulsions to do like to do things sometimes and uh you know so it says you know later night when you're driving and you get the urge to turn the you know put the engine in into neutral and turn the lo- turn the lights off and just see what happens kind yeah, of thing yeah um you know it's, so it's that moment and you know there's moments of like just pushing pushing your limits you know like i think we've all done that you know swimming out really really far at night and then just kind of going oh shit like 
I've pushed it too far and and being scared by uh, your actions. Um, you know, God, there's so many so many stupid things that I've done that I, that make me wake up in the night in a cold sweat and think about these things. So it's kind of about that. Um, and um, uh, yeah, but there's there's hope to it in the chorus. You know, when it says um, there's a line, blah blah blah. Oh, I can't even. Remember it's a the lyrics to my yeah, song. It's a, but yes, it's a song. It's a song. It's not. Um, it's it's not like real life. It's not a, it's not a literal thing, but it's basically like saying there is a line that we all have the capacity to cross and we learn to know ourselves better by either crossing or choosing not to cross that line. Mm. I um a song of Michael Pashabolka opens with a line I took my worries to the water's edge to drown them peacefully. I mean, that's pretty much a suicide <laughs> suicide song. But um but Yes, you know, it's it's a song. Um, it's just a song. So uh, your dad. They don't mean anything. I don't. I don't write songs. <laughs> they don't mean anything. Like none of my songs mean anything. Yeah. I, I basically just like find words that rhyme and then just fucking whack them. Down. That's, <laughs> That's right. Um, so your your uh, your dad actually uh, as said as uh, tweeted in ask Josh oh, my dad ask Josh <laughs> ask Josh about the story of his front teeth. Oh, that's that's why why. <laughs> I fell over. I thought, I'm sure. I've, this is. Not, I don't think this is a secret. I, when I was 19, I was at a bowling alley, and I was admittedly a little stoned. And I was bowling with my friends, and I slipped over and smashed my face on the ground in the bowling alley, and put my front teeth through my lip, um, and broke my tooth. And then I claimed an insurance claim from the bowling alley. <laughs> like public liability insurance, and they paid me two thousand dollars to kidding. get my teeth fixed. No, is- but then instead of getting my teeth fixed, I bought a ticket to Europe and I went to Europe instead. That's and so I didn't, amazing. I didn't get my teeth fixed. So I just always had broken teeth because I didn't use the money to, I used the money to go to Europe instead. That's awesome. And then years later, I, I got, I got a like a fake, uh, like a plastic cap on on them. And then I was playing, when I was in my punk band, I was playing a show and I smashed my tooth on the microphone and broke the cap, the cap off yeah. one of them. And then I was like, oh, whatever, bugger it. And that's why I've always had a broken tooth ever yeah. since. And now it's kind of just like, it's just part of your look. It's, it's like fang, man. It's, it's like, your, fang. like Owen Wilson's nose, you know? It's <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, okay, so this is one from Chris Andrews. Uh, with the need to play multiple shows due to COVID restrictions, what's your mm. record for the number of shows in a week? Is this me or you? Well, for both of us, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go first because I've got a um, feeling you pr- probably will have more than me. Yeah, it was probably during the I did like a bunch of shows at the Factory Theatre yeah. last year, and I think I did four. Sh- I think I did three shows, so it was probably six. Six in a row over three nights or something like that. Yeah, mm. it was probably something like that. Yeah, six. It was, it was fine though. Fuck, you know. Six in three nights is a lot. The most I've done in a day was the very first gigs that I did back last year. So, I, yeah, when, when I could start playing again, which was November last year, I did three shows in one day, which is the, up until that point and since, it's the most I've ever done in a day. Yeah. Um, but and then apart from that, I've I I have barely you know I've just been doing the odd gig here and there, never more than one one in a row, or one or two in a row until the other week in New South Wales. So I did um, Wednesday, Thursday, two Fridays, Saturday, and Sunday. So I did six. 
yeah, in that week yeah. in New South Wales. So, you know, it was fine. Um, it's fine. Yeah. The, the the hardest part of that, that was one of those shows when him was in Forbes and that's like a good five hour, you know, I had to drive five hours out to Forbes and five hours back again the next day. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's, that's, the, that's the thing about touring is like playing the show is kind of the easy part. It's every, everything about it. <laughs> yeah. Everything yeah. else, that's that's the hard thing. Um, all right. What else have we got? Um, that's all. Hang on. Oh, uh, there was a question about... Um, oh, here we go. Ben, <coughs> ben Ovenben has asked the question, have either of you consciously or unconsciously borrowed, in inverted commas, musical ideas from someone question mark or each other question mark <laughs> <laughs> um yeah you go you go um okay well i've never consciously or unconscious well, well if you're doing something unconsciously does he even know that you're doing it well no that's the, the i think that's the um, that's the by definition that's unconscious you know i mean i can definitely think back to um the early days of writing songs with jebs there were songs that never made it onto a record, but there were songs that we played live. But you know, they 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 were never put to to tape, so people have never heard them. But in the early days of Jebs, there were some songs that were real total ripoffs of of some tunes, um, <laughs> like a melody that I stole off a Scream Feeder song in one, and and a um, Hummingbird song in another. And um, but obviously, um, you know, it, and, and even to this day, like it still happens. I'll be writing something or sometimes you know i'll have a dr- i'll dream a melody and i'll wake yes, up and i'll yes. be like oh that melody is awesome and i'll go you know i'll remit people like oh remit gotta remember this gotta remember this and as soon as i get the chance get the guitar work out the chords that go with it oh this is awesome and then it'll 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 i'll realize you know an hour or two into the process it's like oh that it's a song that it's that is that actual song that I heard on the radio. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't make that up. That still happens, you know, to this day. I mean, I I try, you know, I try really hard be, to during the writing and demoing process, which normally lasts these days years before I go mm. before I make a record. Um, so I have there's a lot of time there to to kind of do those kind of checks and to make sure that you know i'm not stealing something and then if there is something that i feel like it's it's close to something then i just have to kind of go well you know where how, how do i feel about it i mean like yeah. if i really do it to, if i really like it do i really care um or, or or if it's bothering me if it's like nah this is bothering me it's too close then i'll i'll ditch it or i'll change it um, but you know, like pretty much, you know, all my decision making with that kind of stuff is so much just led by my gut. You know, my instincts kind of lead the way with all of that stuff. Always has, um, mm. and you know, never been sued. So I think, like, <laughs> <laughs> I think also too, like your, um, you know, your chances of. I mean, when you're you know an, an artist in Australia that doesn't have an international audience, your chances of getting into trouble are pretty small. Yeah, I mean also like if if it's if you're not doing it on purpose and it's not like blatantly trading off somebody else's thing, I don't think I don't think it would I don't think the like the person would care. I've I've, I've got two. I've, I've, there have been times where I've been accused of ripping off artists that I've never even heard of. 
Yeah, well, there you and go. And I was like, oh, this is totally, totally stolen this off such and such bands. Like, that is literally the first time I've ever heard of this band. <laughs> I, and then I'll, I mean, I'll YouTube it and I'll check it out and be like, who the fuck is this band that this person's talking about? But, you know, but there's like, there's only so many chords in the, in the, there's only so many notes and chords in the world. Like, it's surely we've been all writing pop music for long enough that somebody's going to come out with the exact same song as somebody else in the next 50 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it happens. I mean, yeah, it happens all the time. And I like, well, okay, this isn't a question for someone, but um, but as a final question, then we'll wrap up. Um, from 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 me to you, how Ooh. would you feel? Have you ever heard music from somebody else and it, and you think, oh, that's fuck, that's one of my songs? Um, I have, yeah, there was like an Amy Shark song that sounded exactly like the beginning of the Lighthouse song. Ah, um, okay. Like, it's the same, it's the same thing, but uh, I mean, it's yeah, a, I think it's I know the pretty one much mean, like a actually. pentatonic scale. I heard so that, like, I, I, I used to, I, when that Love Monster record came out, I listened to it a lot because my girls were really into it. Right, right. Um, and there was like some Ed Sheeran song that people were saying sounded like Middle of the Hill, but at the end of the day... Like, I mean, you know, I don't think that Amy Shark would... I mean, I saw I saw her at the Arias and I, I'd had a bit to drink and I was like, hey, that song is, you know, da-da-da-da. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, I was, I was trying she to be was funny. Like, fucking get away from me. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, I was trying to be funny. Like, I was like, hey, oh, so, no. you know, what's with that? Um, no, no, she was, she was a good sport about it, but, she'd, you know, she'd heard it. She'd heard it a lot. But um, oh okay right so she was aware it's a yeah like it's it sounds exactly the same but it's of oh, the song sounds nothing like the lighthouse song it's just that that riff. yeah yeah but anyway the point is whether I know that she is aware of my music so I'm hundred percent sure that she wouldn't have done it on purpose maybe subliminally she heard it and liked it because maybe she'd heard that track or maybe not at all maybe it's just nothing so i don't you know unless it's like an actual like everything about it is exactly the same it's like you know like i said there's only so many chords in the world it's bound to happen you know it's yeah. bound to happen like if somebody came up with something that was like when i was a kid i grew up in a house on a hill not the bottom not not the, the middle top, but the but top. the top <laughs> yeah then i'd be like oh come on okay come that's a bit much hey, yeah that's yeah. a bit much come on mate <laughs> Yeah, or if somebody was like, um, if somebody was like, um, I'm nine feet tall, I'm, I'm everywhere and all, <laughs> I'm not, I'm everything at once when I'm yeah. s- sober, <laughs> you know, leaving mums, <laughs> staying home, yeah, staying home. Well, life, was, life was always good to me. <laughs> that was a missed opportunity, I, you know, and it did occur to me last year during the um, when all this. COVID stuff, oh, yeah, yes. re-recording, leaving home, but changing all the lyrics and making it staying home. That um, is I, a I actually, real way to. You know what? That's a way to blow your legacy, mate. I, that is. A, I actually know. wrote. All, I wrote all the lyrics to this satire song of leaving home called "Staying Home." Uh, no. Like I was actually going, "Oh, I'm going to do this," but then you know, then I just pulled out once I. Yeah, yeah. I was like, but then you realised it's a fucking great song. So why like <laughs> denigrate? Why denigrate a great tune? Yeah, you know, very, very true, very true. All right, thank you so much, Josh, for uh, joining me once Always again a on the podcast. Good luck. Um, 
getting through. I hope this lockdown and for everyone in Sydney and and in fact for people out you know all around Australia that are experiencing lockdowns. But Sydney at the moment looks like the one that is going to last uh, the longest. I hope it uh, doesn't last any longer than the two weeks that they originally um, prescribed. And um, and yeah, I hope uh, hope all your shows uh, happen. And I hope I get to see you in Geelong. And I hope you get to sell merch for me one day. Oh, I'd love to. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cheers, All man. Right. Take Thanks. Care. Bye. Take care.